0: Chef Dennis, what a great, great conversation with Chef Dennis. Uh, Dennis uh, Litli is a, a blogger. He's a chef. Uh, he's a travel blogger as well, all culinary related. We have a great conversation about, uh, you know, cooking. And, you know, I have a deep passion for this uh, about cooking and certainly eating. We talk about Italy of course, I, I can't help but bring that in. That's where my father's from. There's a you know, a certain slant of cooking that I have there with Italian. We talk about, you know, some of the places that he's been. But the very first question I ask him is what is the most common mistake made by cooks, by cooks at home? What's the first and biggest mistake that they make? I think you'll be surprised with the answer. It's very, very interesting uh where he he takes that. Uh, i'll just give you a little bit of a, a teaser just you know cook what you like but it's a great conversation with chef dennis uh really enjoyed it he's he's got a huge presence he's got great content uh videos on how he cooks he makes things look so simple but just uh, really really enjoyed this conversation with uh chef dennis i know you will as well thanks for listening hi i'm joey pins People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change, discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges. In your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey pins discipline conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Sure. Um, Chef Dennis, thank you so much for your time today. I really really appreciate it. Big fan. So what's the what's the most common mistake you can help people with that cook at home?
1: Well, I think the biggest mistake that people make is they try to make recipes of food with ingredients they don't like. Mm. Okay. So what happens is the you'll spend all this time cooking in the kitchen you're anticipating not really liking it because it's got something in it you don't like. You don't like the flavor of. You don't like to eat it. It's but the recipe says it's in it. So by golly, you're going to make it that way. So after all your hard work, you sit down to eat it and guess what? You don't like it because it's got mm. that ingredient in it. So that's where people have the biggest the big make the biggest mistakes. The idea to find joy in your kitchen. And in cooking is to cook with foods that you like to eat and flavors you like. So, you know, if you're not a fan, like I have recipes that have broccoli and I might tell people, if you're not a fan of broccoli, leave the broccoli out, put something else in, you know, the, the, the recipes did not come down from the mountain etched in stone, right? You can adjust it. Trust me, you can adjust it. You know, like I put sausage in some, but if you don't like sausage or you don't want to eat pork, leave it out it's going to affect the flavor a little. Yeah. But are you going to like it more? Yeah. So does it matter? No. All hmm. right. So it's, it's about, it's, it's about using the ingredients that you like to eat. And that's the best way to start. Once you get comfortable in the kitchen and you find some joy because you're creating foods that you're liking, you enjoy eating. Dinner time comes, you go, wow, this is really good. I made this. Now you're going to be more inclined to want to get back in the kitchen and cook some more. So once you get to that level of where you're really comfortable and you're happy. Now you can go, you know what? He said to put sausage in there. I I, I'm not a big fan, but let me see what it does Hmm. and then you'll taste it and either you'll like it or you won't. But if you don't, you can go back the other way. If you've tried something new at that point and it's something you, Hey, I didn't realize I would like that. Then, you know, you've, you've come a long way then. So then it's time. Then you start trying more foods that you didn't know you'd like and the progression just keeps building and building and pretty soon you're like a culinary master
0: (laughs) Mm. yeah well well said i just the experimentation, I, I find I, I like it so much. I, you know, I'm a very, very amateur cook. I love to do it. I love to experiment. But perhaps people and have the kind of mentality, perhaps more the scientific method, where everything's kind of black and white. And if you replace something in the recipe, it's not going to work because you didn't follow the instructions. Whereas, as I've learned from you, you're more of a gray. You kind of yeah. feel it out.
1: Yeah. You know. Again, it's it's about. Like when I go shopping, I I, I may have some ideas of what I want to make, but the first thing I do is I look to see what is in season produce wise, Mm. what's the freshest, what looks the best. So I buy my vegetables, all right? I buy the different things that I might want to add to proteins or alongside of the the meats or seafood that I'm going to make. So that's the basis. And then perhaps they have something that I don't usually see. I, I don't buy much meat or seafood at a grocery store. I, I order that online. The pandemic was great because I discovered some really good places to source really good quality meats and seafood mm. rather than taking your chances at the grocery store. Um, you know, small farm, pasture raised animals that are allowed to be animals before they're slaughtered, not ones mm. that are just raised simply, you know, the cheapest and, and crowded into pens. You know, you want meat, you want animals to allow, happy animals are going to taste better. Mm. You know, it's just a fact of life. You know, uh, if they're allowed to be animals, they're foraging, the muscle, your musculature is going to be different. Uh, the fat ratio is going to be different. The whole texture of the meat is going to be different. So, you know, that's that's one place. Like I always tell people, I say, well, should I buy you know, pasture raised meats or organic vegetables. I can't buy both. I said, well, if you got to pick one, I would go with the pasture raised or organic meats because that's the most impactful in your diet. Hmm. And, and again, and I, you know, when I first started doing that, it wasn't for health reasons. It was because they tasted better.
0: Hmm. Simple
1: as that. I was buying chicken that didn't taste like chicken anymore. And I said, there's something wrong so mm. then i just i started just because i wanted it to taste better started buying pasture raised and then i went to pasture raised grass fed milk and it was like drinking cream after <laughs> after all these years of drinking this homogenized milk that's been i don't know what uh, the difference was night and day mm. and then you know i do buy whatever i can afford you know cuz organics more expensive yes Or sometimes the organic just doesn't look as good. Hmm. So I'll buy the regular, you know, and there's certain things you should buy organic if at all possible, like berries and apples and, you know, thick skin fruit. You don't have to worry about as much because the pesticides aren't getting in. But, you know, you just, you start using common sense. And again, if you're feeding a family and you can't afford all these different ones, you do the best
0: you can. Yeah, well said. I, You know, what I do quite often and I see my friends doing this. Let's make something. Let's go to the store and get some ingredients. And I said, well, let's just see what we have in oh, the absolutely. refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the pitfall I find with that chef Dennis is that I make something and people like it and and they say, would you, how'd you make it? And I said, you know, I don't remember anymore, uh, because I just used stuff that was in the fridge and I just kind of mixed it as I went. And I thought maybe it called for this and called for that. And Mm -hmm. I don't remember the, so sometimes it gets lost. I guess you got to take better notes in these cases.
1: Well, that's it. Or, or take a picture of it every time mm. and then maybe try and jot a little notes uh, under the picture. But I, I'm exactly guilty of that because that's exactly how I would make my specials at the restaurant. Hmm. I would see, again, hmm. what did I buy that was the freshest and what, is, what do I think it needs? What do I make it? And I would make, I would build. You now, we always had proverbial favorites of specials that would see repeat business But other times it was like, what can I put together? What do I have? And then I'd go, what did I make? What did I put in that? You know, people are asking for it again and i'm trying to jog my memory of what i threw then and, and the people that would back me up that would work when i weren't there wasn't there they had an absolutely no hope of recreating it. Is that right? yeah which it which was job security for me at one mm. point you know too because uh, they'd always well is, is chef dennis on we want to come when chef dennis is on you know the other guys were great but i mean they wanted to come when i was on
0: now when you make a recipe you know, I, I can't imagine that like, you're kind of reproducing. Like, do, you, do you think, well, what's kind of popular right now? Let's make something like what's the <clears throat> genesis of making a recipe?
1: Well, you know, I've, I've said this to a lot of people. I have friends, other food bloggers, and they approach it as a business where they will <clears throat> search keywords and they'll see what. <clears throat> What has going to have the best volume or what a long, now there's long tail keywords where like a three or four words makes up the keyword and they'll write according to those keywords and then they'll build a recipe around that. And the natural search for it makes it popular. Okay. I have never, ever done that. Hmm. And what I do is I go, hmm, what am I in the mood to eat? What haven't I had lately? What would be new to make? What did I see? I, I look through magazines a lot. I don't I, I don't copy the recipes or anything, but I look at them and I get ideas and then I'll mm. jot stuff down uh, or I'll jot the name of it down. Like a lot of times I'll just write the name of it down and then figure out what it should be. Like maybe I saw the picture and I says, okay, mm. that gives me an idea. Now I'll, I'll decide what goes in it to make, to create that. You know, and I don't know if I'm coming close or not because I don't, like I said, I don't look to see what it is. Uh, Baked goods are a little more difficult. But anytime I'm making just a saute dish or I'm roasting or grilling stuff, you know, again, it's just intuitive for me at this point. And it's not difficult to become intuitive with some things. Hmm. What it comes down to where you were saying open the refrigerator. I mean, I do that night after night to see Hmm. what I'm going to make unless I'm building something for the blog. And it's a matter of stocking some ingredients that will make your life easier and allow you to do this. Like there's certain things like one thing I always tell people to have is to buy bases, soup bases. Hmm. You should always have a jar of chicken base, uh, maybe a vegetable base and a beef base if you eat much beef or pork. And I order them off of Amazon, and I get the ones I used to use in the restaurant, which are miners' bases. They were like the the gold standard for all the chefs. Um, Very good base. It's a pound, so it might take you a while to go through it, but they last for three or four months in the refrigerator. But in the grocery store, there's a very comparable item called uh, Better Than Bullion and they're an eight ounce container, so it's half as much. And in fact, I, I found them online one time and I think I ordered like 12 different types of bases from them because they have all these different ones. They have organic ones and they have seafood bases and mushroom bases. And I got turkey at Thanksgiving time so I could boost <laughs> the turkey gravy a little bit. Um, but these things will help you create, you know, it's, it's, they're not just for soups, they're for a little punch of a sauce. Like if I was making a chicken primavera in a, in a just a broth, I would add a little chicken stock to that little base. Now they sell those pre-made cartons of uh, stock of, of yeah. um, in the grocery store, and I've had I bought some of them. Some of them are really bad. Oh really? Some of them I, I open it. The smell, the flavor, the color overall. I mean, they're real easy to use but you're stuck with what's ever in that container. And unless you find one that you really, really like and trust, which is possible, you know, it's a crapshoot if you just wanted to pick one up, because a lot of times we go for what's on sale, too, and something like that. Mm. Uh, So I find with the little jars of bullion, and they might be where the bullion is or where the soup aisle is, these little jars make make life a lot easier. You know, and again, making things or punching something up if I'm making um, a steak or if I'm making a roast pork or something, I have the pan juices, but I might want a little bit more. I want, might want to make a gravy. So to the pork, they don't really have, you can get a pork base. They're hard to find or ham base. I might just punch it up with a little bit of beef base or a little bit of chicken base. You're still going to have that flavor. And and that adds a little perk to it. You know, it's hmm. it's almost like adding a little salt to it too, because the bases are heavily salted to a point because they're reduced, they're concentrated. And that's a way of adding flavor with a little salt at the same time. Like one of the things I do with my seafood dishes and my seafood soups is I never use seafood stock in them. I, I let the natural stock, if I have shells, I might make some stock or something, but I use let the natural flavors, like with clam chowder, I let the juice that I put in from cooking the clams in there, but I'll punch it up with a little chicken base. Hmm. It doesn't taste like chicken, but it adds that that little kick to it, like where when I use clam stock, it's got a softness to it. Seafood stock almost has like a softness to it, where the chicken stock gives it a little bit more of a bite to it. And it, again, you never know what's chicken in there. It's just you can't tell. But that flavor boost is what makes the difference between something that's good and something that's really
0: good. I seem to always go to my <clears throat> my go to with seafood is the uh, Old Bay. I just mm-hmm. uh, just love it. And, oh, yeah. But, uh, but the difference between stock and base, I didn't realize. There's a big difference. Well, the
1: stock is, is already made up. So, you know, it's like people that are all the concentrates, you know, they say you're buying water. Hmm. Okay. You're paying for water. So where that quart container might be $3, the little eight ounce mm-hmm. container is going to make you two gallons and it's going to cost probably about less than twice as much
0: interesting
1: okay so and again it's easier to it's easier to store you can keep it in the refrigerator they, they keep it on the shelf i always think once you open something it should be in the refrigerator and it'll last longer mm. and, and you know if you and then if it starts to look like you're not going to use it for something make a soup you know then you can then you can make a soup like i freeze all of the seafood scraps that i have like if i cut salmon or i cut another fish or we don't finish it all you know, it's, it's for us. So we can do that. I'm not right. feeding strangers. <laughs> right. I'll save whatever we don't eat that's cooked in a little Ziploc bag in the freezer. And then I will go and bring everything together and make a soup out of all these different pieces. I'll throw some fresh something in it, you know, some shrimp or some crab meat or uh, some other fish if I don't have enough of something in it. But instead of throwing away this very expensive seafood. We're enjoying a delicious soup made out of it, which is just a seafood and vegetable soup, you know, or, or creamy, you know, if you want to make a chowder style. So this is the way that's how we used to make soups before they became popular. And we mm. have we had standardized recipes and and specials that people always came for this particular soup. It was like, you know, clean the refrigerator, we're gonna make soup. You know?
0: That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I know you have a big uh, liking for Italy and and Italian food. My father's from southern Italy. And, you know, when he was raised in a a farm, very poor, pasta fagioli was just poor peasant soup. And now, of course, it's like this luxury that people, you know, really uh, spend a lot of time on. Uh, So the big debate that I want to hear from you uh, with the marinara, of course, uh, sugar or no sugar?
1: It depends on the tomatoes. Now, you know, most Italians will will strike you dead if you put sugar in it. Okay. It, it comes down to just a difference in flavor. And I challenge anyone to be able to tell there's sugar in it if they mm. do not see it. Now, I use all San Marzano tomatoes simply because my wife has an acid problem. And I was always buying good tomatoes. But I wasn't always buying San Marzano. Now, when I would cook with other tomatoes, she'd have this acid problem. When I cook with San Marzano, she had no acid problem. Hmm. So, I mean, I cook exclusively with those now, you know, unless it's something I'm throwing in a soup, a can of fire roasted or something. Um, But exclusively. um, And I find a lot of the stores are now carrying number 10 size cans of them. And sometimes you can find organic Sometimes you can't. And, and the difference with understanding San Marzano to is they will never come crushed. They must be so whole, healed whole. Okay. So if they, if they're crushed, they're not San Marzano. It's not allowed for them to get that DOP. So, uh, at least that's what they told me. And I'm going with that. Uh, So I use those. I have an immersion blender. I like chunky sauce. My wife likes smooth. So we have smooth sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Every now and then I'll throw a little, I will let a little chunks and she doesn't mind that she just doesn't like too much of it. Um, But yeah, they, they make such a nice sauce. And I I do add a little bit of sugar to it. Not a lot. You know, I make enough generally I, I use a, I have a 12 quart pot when I make sauce. I always started with sausage because she loves sweet Italian sausage. Uh, started with that, and then I let it simmer for four to six hours. You know and that's where the magic happens.
0: Anything after
1: three hours, it starts to get really, really good.
0: Mm. And the, the the color turns as well. Oh yeah, yeah. that red to almost a brownish. Yeah, yeah I mean, I will only make the marinara with San Marzano. And I I've, yeah. I've I've been to friends' house, and you know they say, well, it doesn't look like we can find it. It's okay. Well, we will we'll eat something else then. You know and. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, you know, there's a famous scene, of course, in The Godfather where they're all Sicilian, of course, where, you know, Clemenza, I think it was Clemenza says, you know, the secret is putting a little sugar in. He, put, you yeah. know, he puts it in. And I generally put a, uh, like a little bit of a sliced, maybe about a half diced carrot. Yeah. That'll work find, too. Yeah. You it know, just kind of cuts the acidity. But there's generally very none, uh, very, very little with the San Marzano tomatoes, like you say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is a much better. and You don't need it as much. It just, it, it, it eats better. It really does have yeah. a more pronounced flavor. Uh, and again, with putting the, I use a lot of basil and I put yeah. some in while I'm cooking it. And then I put some in at the end of it too, you know, cause they say, well, you're not, if it's dried, you use it during the cooking. If it's fresh, you put it in at the end. Well, I kind of do both. Hmm. You know? So it comes out good.
0: Yeah. And then I teach my friends how to make pasta. I mean, it's only Two flowers, water, and you know some salt, and it's not difficult at all. And no. uh, you could throw an egg if you'd like, and you know yeah. we roll it out and make any shape you want, and it cooks very quick. And uh, mm-hmm. you know we turn it into a little uh, little festive get together. Just everybody wins,
1: you know. And that's what is really nice about enjoying time in the kitchen, and that's that's where people that say I don't like to cook, or, or mm. they're trying, they're trying make things too difficult on themselves you know pick an easy recipe it's it's does not have to be you're not at the la cordon bleu you know make something with three or four or five ingredients you know if you can't make sauce and you want something with tomato sauce buy your favorite jar you know Mm. i'm not going to tell you you're you're awful for doing that we do what we have to do to create food that we enjoy eating, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'll never condemn someone cause they don't make their own sauce. I love making it. So I do. Right. You know, if you make it, you may end up loving it and never go back. Right. Okay. And, and that's the difference, but you know, uh, excuse me, but from time to time you'll find a jar of sauce in my pantry just because, You know, emergencies or my wife's away and I don't want to use one of the good sauces just on me. You know, (laughs) I don't feed myself as well as I do when she's here. Um, So, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with making a few exceptions from time to time uh, or or to eat what you like or what's easier. If that would let you take the time to make your own chicken parm or eggplant parm because Mm. you're using a jarred sauce, go for it you know, spend the time doing that instead of, you know, doing both, you know, if you have to pick, like, I don't make my own salad dressings. Most of the time I can, right. I just don't want to, I like I this. I love Catalina and I don't want to go through the process of making that. So I have that, or, you know, uh, we'll do an oil and vinegar or I'll do one of my house dressings and I make a lot of it, but there's certain things, you know, time, you only have so much time, pick your battles.
0: Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about substitutions too. One of the videos sure. you had, you didn't have onions. You used scallions, I believe. And mm-hmm. like I, I made some carbonara for my daughter and I last night. And it, you know, I I went and got some pancetta, but people can certainly use bacon. Uh, you know, if they want. What do you mm-hmm. think about those kinds of substitutions?
1: Well, you know, it's it's um, again, you'll get a lot of hate from some serious Italian aficionados. I was on a a, a podcast from Rome last week. And we were talking about that, you know, and the differences between Italian food and Italian American food mm. for years before I learned, I thought carbonara was made with bacon because we always made it with bacon right. and heavy cream. Okay. I did not know. And then I learned, you know, and it's not even pancetta isn't even supposed to really be used as guanciale, Right.
0: Glucale, yeah. So,
1: yeah. So, so again, but you use what you have, if you want to make one, the smokiness from the bacon is going to change the flavor. But, you know, if you like it and you enjoy eating it, that's okay. You know, if you make it like a fettuccine Alfredo, it should be made with just butter and cheese. Mm. But, you know, so many people like it with cream in it. And that's how I make it on my blog, with cream, because that's the northern, more northern Italian version. You know, and but there's a mastery to making it with just butter and cheese, so it ends up being that creamy. And for most people, they would make themselves crazy trying to get that texture right.
0: It's fascinating, even the different regions in Italy. My oh. my father's from the south, and it's much more olive oil. Olives are just more prevalent. Yep. Whereas in the yep. north, there's much more cream. They put much, oh, yeah. you know, a lot more, and their Alfredo and things like that. Where uh, you know, and, and it just varies where you go. So I have sure. a couple of tips when people go to Italy, and I want I want want you to. I want to hear your opinion on. I say three things. One, when you go, ask the police where they eat because they're ah. not—you know—they're not paid. Yeah, they're not—you know—they're not paid by anyone. They'll tell you. Uh, two, uh, if the menu is in English, probably not the best. Try to go Italian, and even better if it's up on a chalkboard uh, yes. and it's changed every day. And third, wine—get the wine in the carafe. It's local. It's Better and less expensive. So those yes. are the three tips I give.
1: Oh, always, always house wine. You know, you don't have to go with something expensive. It'll be more like fruit juice.
0: Mm. You, know?
1: And, you know, that's the the best wines were always. Even in France, the best wines were always just. The, give me the house wine. It's cheaper than buying water for most instances, <laughs> yeah. and and it's good. Uh, but like, yeah, absolutely. If, if you see a menu and the big key, some a lot of them are in English too now, just because there's so many English speaking. And English is the, the common language right. between every other foreigner. So English, I'd rather just see it in Italian, but English Italian's okay. But if it's printed in more than those languages, oh, definitely just keep walking. Mm. We were in Venice and we stumbled upon a restaurant and all the gondoliers were eating there. Oh, good sign! So I says, "We're going in there." That's a good sign. Yeah, we're yeah. going in there, and, and it's a big difference once you get off the beaten path. Like uh, we stayed in Venice too, and we stayed away from the tourist attractions. Not that far mm. you know, 10, 15 fifteen-minute walk, right? But far enough where it was just all the locals, and 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 they're they're very happy to see you because yes. you're spending money in their establishment. But they'll take time and they'll talk to you. I remember my wife. Asked about something with pesto, she knows what pesto is, but the guy did not think she knew what pesto was, so he brought some out to her, and it was is okay, lady. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> and that's what I say to her at dinner every night now. What she's eating, go is okay, lady. <laughs> you know, but they want to make you happy, you know. Uh, Italian food is just wonderful, and Italian people are just wonderful. You know, I, I'm not Italian by birth, but I think I've adopted myself into the culture. Uh.
0: It's very different the way – yeah, the way they just kind of view food and, and uh, um, you know, there's always bread and wine, of course, and there's always uh, – I, I I can remember this one time where, uh, you know, the, some wine spilled and everybody got excited because that's good luck and everybody rejoiced and everything. But I know that, like, if oil – Olive oil spills, and everybody stops. you're supposed to clear the uh, table you know that's you notice it's got that thin little you know yeah. um you know that that's bad luck, and some of them take it way too serious. you know some of them there's many extremes to that, but it's just the way food is kind of viewed there as yeah. as an event it's just very yeah. different and it,
1: it is but, and it's and it, and they always use they use everything
0: yeah.
1: Nothing goes to waste and it, they're big on local ingredients. And that's how we should eat. That is really yeah. how our bodies were meant to to take food with local things, you know, not things that are out of season. So, you know, it's a much better way of eating. And, and I eat like a pig whenever we're in Europe, right. anywhere in Europe, I never gain weight. That's right. So it's all the things we have done to food in the United States to change it that is putting all the weight on.
0: Yeah. And all my relatives eat a lot, but they walk everywhere after afterwards they walk and they, you know, they're either out and and about. And as you know, they invented, you know, farm to table. I remember I, I, I brought my cousins there and my uncle took some eggs out of the cupboard. And my, my friend's like, wait, those weren't in the refrigerator? I said, those are only days old. They're not months old like we have here. We have to refrigerate them right yeah. away. You don't, you don't need to do that. It's just a very – and as you were mentioning before, just the, the meat, how you try to get to some local uh, you know, farms to get meat and uh, vegetables and try to get organic. It's a very, very different way of uh, – they treat all their food very differently in Europe. Yes. There's, there's a much
1: larger – a much greater level of respect towards food like even so much when you go into their markets you'll see the whole animal because mm. they want you to know where things are coming from you know you don't just see a little packet of chicken breasts or chicken thighs boneless skin let's forget about it but mm. you know but you'll see the whole chicken with the neck and the head you know or you'll see a rabbit you know or you'll see like they, they very rarely cut fish up unless mm. till after you order it uh, but you'll see the whole animal because they want you to know where it's coming from, what you buying is coming from. And most of the Italians <laughs> would not even think like if they look at that fish and they see the eyes are glassy or they're sucking. Oh no, that's old. You know, wow. they want to tell just by looking at the food how old it is. You know, and they want they want fresh stuff. You know, they're going to pay for it, but they want fresh stuff. And you know, the idea of walking is just I I, I think because gas there has always been so expensive. Yeah, that's true. They never embraced the automobile like we did, and uh, it's so much easier just to get around walking. It's just you know, it's a simpler way of life. It's you know, you're you're gonna spend uh, an hour or two hours on dinner, you know, or three hours on dinner, where we're gonna consume as much as we can in 15 minutes and be done. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, they, they think it's, uh, you know, abhorrent that, uh, you know, we're drinking coffee in our cars, you know, oh. and <laughs> and drive through oh. lines. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that too is because they drink those little bitty cups. Oh, that's yeah. another thing, yeah. yeah. I I love
1: espresso, but I'm telling you, next trip I'm bringing one of those pour-overs because I like regular coffee, and I like a big <laughs> mug of coffee. So I says, as much as I like them little cups, it's more of – we, we, make, we view coffee as more of an experience, more mm. of a where they view some of their food and things. Where like coffee is meant to be savored and drank yeah. over time, you know, where you get those little espresses, like, okay, boom, boom, pop. Now I'm back to work.
0: <laughs> yeah, very, very different uh, st- lifestyle there. Now, I believe you're in the, the Orlando Kissimmee area. Yes. Yeah. And You know, as a, a, you know, most tourists would think of that as generally a lot of chains and franchises, but you don't see it that way at all.
1: Well, you know, there are, but it's a whole different type of environment for food because it it is, it is such a hospitality driven area. Right. Like when I was up north and I would try to talk to a chef, even in a, you know, a, a small individual owned restaurant. You never had time. And and I understand that because as a chef in the Northeast, I was the same way. You know, I was rush, 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 rush. In Florida, and the first time I got here was I, I went to the Ritz-Carlton to do an interview uh, with the chef. He spent three hours with me. Wow. And he fed me till I thought I was going to burst. You know, uh, we, and we were eating everything. and just having a good time. so said, don't you have to get back to work? And he goes, no, I'm with you today. You know, and that was... Whatever sure. restaurant I went to, they would just spend however long you wanted to spend with them. It was the level of hospitality and and not that they're unhospitable and, and in the northeast. I don't want to get the wrong idea. Of course not. But the level it's different. And it's not because they're from the they're all from the south. They are not. Right. these, these chefs. They come from everywhere in the world. But it's just that relaxed feeling. Mm of how they do business and how they approach everything. Like you can take a table of 12 and ask for individual checks and they will write them up. You know, it's like mm. just amazing difference in attitude, but uh, you know, the servers, the chefs, this, the whole type, and they're more inclined. So when you, even when you go to one of these chain restaurants, the level of service is going to be a little different and the quality of food, I think is, is going to be a little is going to excel a little more. First of all, Florida has some amazing produce. I came from the garden state from New Jersey and we had good produce. Yes. Well, Florida, I'm telling you, sometimes they surpass. Really? We, yeah, I was, and, and the seasons are longer. or We have two growing seasons. Tomatoes are still, eh, mm. but you know, uh, but you get some really good ones every now and then. Uh, but everything else is really exceptional. In uh, Georgia, we get produce from Georgia. So we get that. And then South Carolina. So it's almost still local in an extent of, of how close it is in terms of driving. Uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, again, I don't go to a lot of chain restaurants. There's a few. But again, there's so many individual or Small chain, local chains. Like they'll be, Mm. we have a a breakfast place called Kiki's and they just started selling uh, franchises because it's so popular. Uh, Oh, great breakfasts. First time I went in there, I ordered blueberry pancakes and the woman goes, You want a full stack? And I'm going, Look at me. Do you think (laughs) I want a short stack? (laughs) She goes, Okay. She brought them out. Well, they were the size of a 10 inch dinner plate. Whoa. I finished half and she came back and said, you did good, honey, because most yeah. people can't go that far. So now I get a short stack, which is only two. Uh, but just, you know, again, how they treat you, how they treat people, food quality. So that's a small chain. So there's a there's a lot of little chains around. Uh, Darden started in, in Kissimmee uh, uh, with, I think they run Red Lobster and I forget what else. So yeah, you know, Not that Red Lobster is a place I would say, oh, yeah, great seafood, but you know, in a pinch, it's it's not bad. You can if you pick the right stuff. It's all about knowing what to order. Uh, when I go into any restaurant, I will make two to three choices, and then I ask the server, "All right, this is what I'm thinking about. What do you think?" Really? And then they'll pick for me. Or if I give them two choices, they'll go, "You know, this is really good too." And if it's something that I would like to try, then I'll go with their suggestion because <laughs> they know what's going on in the kitchen they know what might be freshest or they know what is because you know, some things seem like a good idea at the time until you get it served to you and then you're looking at it going well, what the hell is that yeah you know? <laughs> so uh if you give them the choice a lot of times they'll really steer you in the right direction
0: yeah that is true often we don't give enough credit to the servers because they are in there they know they know what's happening and so i'm from new haven just uh you know part of the tri-state here and mm-hmm. uh Actually, I spent my first winter this winter uh in Tampa I'm empty nest and i did I did go to Kiki's. I saw that was a local oh, place, good. yeah, I had a great breakfast, yeah, but I remember in the eighties there was a place there was a place in little Italy back you know when you know restaurants can afford to be in Manhattan mm-hmm. and we would go in there and it was very authentic Italian. There was an older woman in the kitchen, and you know when you sat down. They didn't ask you anything, you know, the wine got served and the salad and the, the pasta and the soup. And and then maybe 45 minutes later, you know, do you want beef, uh chicken or fish? You know, that there's no menus, you know, that was it. So you just answered and it was wonderful, it was absolutely wonderful, and it was so fresh. Yeah, and then when when we were all done. Our server goes over to the bartender. The bartender kind of looks at us and shakes his hand a little bit. And the server comes over and goes, Okay, that'll be a hundred dollars. You know, so you know that that was it. There was no menus, it was just kind of wow. casual. Yeah. It was a great, great experience. You you can't get that anymore. No, it's it's hard. I remember the first real
1: Italian restaurant I went to, and I, I think I was I took a bus to New York City. And went with some friends, and I was in my early 20s. We went to Mama Leone's. Hmm. Oh, sure. And Mama Leone's, I think I I remember going into some kind of a basement or something, but it was massive, and they had gaudy fountains and all this stuff and food everywhere. And you sat down, like you said, to like five courses. And after every course, it was, would you like some more? (laughs) Right. Yeah, You know, and, and it was, he had to pretty much wheel me out of there, you know, and I did go back another time. And then years later I went and found it and it was not the same. And I asked the server and he goes, oh, you remember the old Mama Leone?" He goes, I worked there. He goes, no, not the same anymore. Uh, and that was the first Italian cookbook I had too. And that's yeah. where I learned to make veal parm and, and use, to use a slice of prosciutto on top of the the cutlet before you put the cheese on it, you know? Whoa. Yeah, just add a little because you know veal is kind of doesn't sure. have a lot of its own flavor, so that prosciutto just adds a little bit more to it. But yeah, it's not wasn't just a Billy Joel song, you know? Right, really Billy wasn't, Joel really wasn't Mama Leone's. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then we had a place in Philadelphia, and, and um, oh God, I can't think of the name of it now, but it was that real Italian style too, and you know, house wines came with the meal, and it was five courses. And, uh, and it was always, would you like more, would you like more? And then Mm. after dessert and coffee, and then they would bring you over six bottles of liqueurs, homemade limoncello, arancello, Sambuca, amarati. you know, and, and give you, and just drink until you're done. As long as you can walk out of here, you're good.
0: Very, very different now. Just a wonderful, wonderful way to be. I try to explain that to some of my friends now and they don't, they don't get it. Yeah they don't get it and yeah. it is a, that's another issue too I I have Italian heritage so I love Italian food but I love every kind of you know oh, so whenever, whenever I travel I'm in Dallas or I'm in Denver or I'm in Seattle or Los Angeles <clears throat> my friends are like oh I know a great Italian place I said, well you know let's have something local yeah. you know there's great Italian food where I am but I, I want to t- what's great here in Dallas give me something yeah. give me in Denver let's give me let's try the local stuff and yeah. uh, that's that's what I want yeah They feel inclined to push me towards it. I I have Italian all the time. I want, you know, it's just, you have to kind of talk them out of that a bit.
1: I I know we had, I think the first reality check on something like that was I was cooking. It was an Italian restaurant and my uh, wife was, I just started dating and she was a few houses down. That's how we met. She came in for a job as a hostess. And they had friends. The neighbor next to her had friends from Italy visiting. She was Italian. Thai and had these friends from Italy visiting. I'm saying, yeah, we should cook something for them. And I said, oh, they don't want Italian food. They get that. Don't even right. try. Right. So we had hot dogs and hamburgers. <laughs> I grilled some lobster and I made some other things. And they were like, they were in heaven. Right. Because it was, you know, American food. You know. And, and that's that's the best thing you can do. So when you go to another country... All right. After a while, like every now and then, like we were in Paris, I wanted it. After a while, and we'd been in Europe for a month. I wanted a cheeseburger. I just right. freaking wanted a cheeseburger. Yes. Okay. Sat down in this parish, had the best cheeseburger of my entire life. It almost mooed when they brought it to the table. Wow. It, it was so rare, but it was just incredible. So if you get good beef that is fresh, You know, it does not have to be cooked, especially in Europe. The differences with quality of meat that doesn't have to be cooked as much. We're here. You know, we're so afraid we're going to get salmonella. We're going to get something else. You know, big difference.
0: I mean, there are times where I would kill for a great cheese, you know, with fresh bread, you know. I mean, just, oh, my goodness. Uh, It's, it's. cheeseburger is wonderful, you know, and uh, I'm from New Haven and, you know, pizza is a big subject around here. You know, we feel that we have the best pizza, you know, Pepe's and Modern and Sally's. And I still like, um, well, I shouldn't say I like pizza in other places. I get a little bit spoiled, uh, you know, with that.
1: It's different in different areas. You know, Florida, we have a really hard time finding good pizza. Mm. And a lot of it has to do with the water making making the, the dough. You know, that's why the bread, the, the best bread we can usually get is at Publix, bless their hearts. Hmm. You know, you know, it's just you know, finding a decent loaf of bread anywhere else is, is difficult. And really? again, it goes it goes back to the water. When I worked in New Jersey, the Atlantic City bread was coveted you know it was the best oh nice and hard on the outside soft right. on the inside you know uh, and I remember this one Italian told me he goes dynasty goes Italians want bread that's so hard it'll cut your gums He goes but the inside is so soft and tender you know you know we'd have semolina my first experience having semolina bread and I was like oh mm. my god is this is good you yeah, know so
0: just the term hard roll I forget where I was and I said, I think we were in Seattle. I was just can I have a hard roll? And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. I said, you know it's crusty on the? You mean the hamburger roll? And, oh. and I said, no, well, no, 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 not a hamburger roll. It's just a hard. Oh. It's hard. It's hard and crunchy on the outside, but soft. Never even heard of it. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, but still, they've got such great food there. You know, I don't want to. Oh, wanna, yeah. oh <laughs> Seattle, no, no, Seattle is wonderful. Is, that Dungeness crab in Oregon. Oh, yeah. oh my
1: goodness wonderful yeah we were in washington state we went to whidbey island and oysters oh, oh and oysters. i had never yeah. known the difference but the west coast oysters were that different They right. were like, creamy and just and and i was not an, in the beginning i was not an oyster eater I, I was in a class for cooking and they had me open up all these clams and all these oysters and i had never had a raw one of each i was again in my late 20s and um I said, you know, I opened all these. I'm going to eat one. It's just to see. And I wasn't impressed, but I had done it. And then I think I'm trying to think of where I really got into oysters. It might have been the trip to Ireland was eye opening. Because mm. the food was, again, not no, where Italy you expect a good food. Ireland, right. they, they brought me over and they said, Dennis, we want you to help dispel the myth that the Irish don't know how to eat. And I'm hmm. like. Hmm, well, maybe <laughs> I can do that. All right, yeah. And from the moment I started eating there, it was just amazing food, quality. Farm to table. is, like really? you said, we're in Italy. It farm to, it's not farm to table, it's dinner.
0: Yeah,
1: That's just exactly. the way it is. That's just the way it is. And they were shoving oysters at me. Taste this oyster, it tastes like the sea. Taste this oyster. You know, I was having I, I learned to love lamb there because And the, what the Americans were serving for lamb was never something I liked that much. Hmm. But, but over there, it was so, it was just so tasty and it didn't, it, there was nothing about it that I didn't like, you know, uh, again, I was not like in in Spain, I had the best octopus I've ever had and I've never been an octopus eater. Hmm. And it was like, you know, it's, it's like, all right, if you put it in front of me, I'm going to do you the courtesy of tasting it and trying it. I finished it was this huge tentacle and i'm like oh lord have mercy and i ate every last bit of it it was so good so but again you have to be open to trying things go past your comfort zone and, and give and, and try it more than once you know because again the first time may not be successful the second time may not be successful maybe the third time will be and give yourself some room to try different foods
0: Absolutely. Whenever I go to a restaurant and they're known for one thing, I get that thing. I, yeah. I want to know what why they're known. And if yeah. I don't like it, I don't like it. I yeah. That's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, just the whole world is so exciting for me and, and uh, such a pleasure to talk to somebody like yourself who knows it well, who's trained and still. I, I, I was listening to you, how you got a, kind of rekindled your love for it during the pandemic. You were blogging yeah. and seriously doing that. And then yeah. you were stuck home. And then, You kind of revoiced it. That's that's great to hear. Well,
1: you know, I was so busy being the travel blogger because I was having such a good time traveling the world. Now, people were sending me all over the place and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Where food had always been my background and my mainstay. And I was a culinary travel blogger, so there was a difference to it. Uh, I had found my niche. But I was so busy with that and with social media and just building my business that I I would be too tired to cook, or it was something so simple that it was just like, I can't believe we're eating this kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when the pandemic hit and we couldn't go out, I started ordering food, like I said, online. I found this great company, uh, and I don't work for them, but it's called Crowd Cow, and you can order uh, Pasture raised meats from them. You can order single portions of different fish from them. I buy Copper River salmon. Uh, really good. I, I, again, I didn't think I liked salmon until I started eating Pacific salmon. Hmm. And then I found out. I like salmon. It was just the Atlantic salmon I did not like. Wow. So, you know, I started ordering from places like that, finding a place to get pork from uh, Cheshire Farms. I get them from in North Carolina. They send me some really good pork. And again, I pay for all this stuff. Nothing is for free. I don't work for them. But these are just places that I've sourced meats from. And we started eating really good. And I found what I found out, too, after like a few weeks and me having to cook every night was, you know, I really like doing this. Mm. I enjoy cooking and it needed that reminder to get me back in the kitchen and to start cooking. Yesterday I made uh, tomahawk chops two different ways. <laughs> I had pork chops, pork to- that I'd gotten from Cheshire and I had, I had split the rack in half and froze half of it. And we had a roasted rack one day of uh, tomahawk chops. So yesterday I marinated some in like an Asian style marinade. And then I did a dry rub on another and I grilled them. So we had those for dinner wow. last night. You know, it's just, but again, then you start having fun with food. Right. You know, then you say, oh, what can I make different? And, you know, and if you're prepping something, it's not that difficult to prep for four or six or eight. If you're prepping something, once you get the basic skills down and you start, you know, you start cutting some vegetables that you're going to have or you take the simple route. I mean, like you can peel. You don't even have to peel potatoes anymore. People love mashed potatoes with the skin on them. You know, just rinse them, wash them, cut them up, boil them, uh, you know, or, or make like we're having ribs tomorrow. I'm going to have coleslaw with them because it goes perfect with it. Yeah. You know, corn, coleslaw, you know, grilled ribs. We're, we're, we're loving life. We eat, we, we eat better than we should. You know, it's just crazy. But we don't eat like that all the time. You know, sometimes we'll have soup for dinner. You know, like I said, we love soups and I'll have a bunch of stuff I, I don't want to throw away. You know, if, if I cook a chicken and we have chicken leftover, well, let's make a soup out of it. Maybe buy a bag of tortellini at the grocery store, fresh, they have all those different fresh tortellinis now, throw that into it, make a nice little yeah. chicken soup, or, uh, or I, I cook clams. My wife loves clams and linguine. And that's one dish that is so easy to make that I learned to make in Venice. And uh, up to that point, I hate to admit, we were making them out of chopped clams, because uh, that's what I was taught. And I got to Venice and saw all these tiny little clams. And the other thing was they didn't use anywhere near as much garlic as we used in the States. Hmm. So it was like an eye opening. <clears throat> and then I went back. So now I buy, you know, all the grocery stores sell um, little bags of clams. Now you just want to check the tag to see how old they are before you buy them. Um and the, the clams and linguine is so simple it almost makes itself right yeah it takes like yeah, it takes longer to cook the pasta like that's I that's right to, I use a checo so i I mean I love I like to chew pasta and, and one Me of too. the reasons I, I don't always make fresh is because sometimes it's a little softer uh, I like to chew I like to bite and Del Checo man you can abuse that stuff and it's still got a good bite to it I use that in a restaurant and um you know, it takes 11 minutes to cook the pasta. It takes eight minutes to cook the clams. It takes I, I rinse them longer. I probably rinse them for 30 minutes on and off, let them sit in water and clean all, all the all the sand out of them. But uh, so easy to make.
0: Yeah, if the pasta's not al dente, I, I, uh, yeah, I don't want it. no. Nah, uh, nah. yeah, the mushy stuff. I, a lot of Americans like that and. yeah it's not yeah not my not that
1: that when i see somebody making pasta and they start breaking it up into pieces i'm like oh oh, don't do that (laughs) oh my god don't do that (laughs) certain things make me cringe and and, uh, in philadelphia they call tomato sauce gravy right you know (laughs) and and that bothers me and that and and when they're making homemades, they're making macaronis. Every pasta is macaronis. <laughs> <laughs> so they say they want macaroni. I've always threatened to make my friends when they want macaronis and gravy to serve them a bowl of, of elbows with some beef gravy over it. Go here, you go. Made you what you wanted. <laughs>
0: Uh, and, of course, macaroni is already plural. You don't need to say macaroni. It's kind of like cannoli. Yeah. Uh, we'll have some cannolis. Uh, anyway, that's – Well, it's the same <laughs> thing as homemade. It's
1: not homemade. Yeah. It's homemade. We're, made. We're making homemades. <laughs> so that means they're making macaronis, homemades. We're making homemades. <laughs> but got to love them. They, they well, are the
0: absolutely.
1: best, are the best kindest people.
0: Absolutely. I make fun of them
1: all the time, but my my Philadelphia Italian friends are the
0: best. They're absolutely absolutely um so on the podcast we talk a lot about discipline you know yes. chef, chef Dennis, I, I happen to lose a lot of weight people ask me how like it's some secret you know i just say you know i focused i got discipline and i did it yep. do you consider yourself disciplined and do you think being a chef needs discipline you you need some discipline if you're if you don't have discipline as a chef you will you will drink
1: a lot uh, because you have to have control of your kitchen. I mean, chefs are, are just, there's so much pressure uh, in the kitchen uh, that you find something. I mean, they're, they're notorious drinkers, drug abusers, womanizers, and it's there's something you need to do to take the edge off because otherwise, if, if you can't handle the pressure, uh, I was in a real good spot at my in my life the last... Uh, the last part of my career probably the last 20 years of my career I started to take karate so that kind of changed my whole outlook on Mm.
0: life
1: and how I was disciplined and um, made me a much better person and which in turn made me a better chef Um, I was still arrogant as hell and and could get nasty but but I was at least better than I had been Um, but yeah you need some discipline but you need to be able to bend too. So it, there's a fine line of, of having that discipline and having uh, the strength to be able to to go the other way a little bit too and bend sometimes. because so it can't always be in black and white. There's got to be different shades of gray. Like my brother is very black and white oriented. That's all he sees. And all I see are shades of gray. Right. That's all I've seen.
0: So you're more art than science. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I think that has been my saving grace i i taught myself to bake so i wasn't really acclimated to the scientific end of it i went gluten-free for a while trying to correct a health problem Uh, and when i finally i sat down with someone one day who taught me that it was about science because the problem with gluten-free was you need to get the weights the protein weights to match so if protein weight of all-purpose flour was 11.7 you know, uh, grams of, of uh, protein, when you mix the different flours, you had to get it to come to that average in order to get it to perform the same way. So once she taught me the science stuff, I said, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And that's why you can't just willy-nilly use hmm. chickpea flour, or almond flour, or, um, sorghum flour. You know, you have to blend them to a way – where the weight's going to come out right in the end. So that was, that was an eye-opening science. But when it comes to food, um, I was taught years ago, one of my first instructors said that I needed to listen to the food and he says, you need to listen to it. And if you listen to it, it will tell you what it needs. Hmm. So, I mean, it was kind of a, and this was an old Italian, uh, a French Italian cook chef that had taught me this. And she, she would say, you know, listen to it and look at it and smell it and it will tell you what it needs. So then I would, and that was, I think my one real strength in cooking was I kind of was intuitive about what should go into it what seasoning and you know we all make mistakes you know i would throw something and go oh god no that doesn't work Mm. you know and my philosophy on that was if no one saw it it never happened (laughs)
0: that's
1: that's how i learned to bake you know no one saw it it didn't happen and i would start again um but you know or you you try and find i had one instructor early on too that knew how to fix anything he, you know, if your sauce broke, you know, if it was a hot sauce, you add ice to it. If it was a cold sauce, you add a little hot water to it, you know, different tricks. Because we would screw things up in his class left and right. And he was like, ah, don't worry. We're going to do this to it. It'll be fine. Or this to it. And it was like, oh, my God. So the other part of this, you know, don't don't get all upset if you screw something up see if there's something you can do to it to fix it. And as long as it's still edible, you're all right. You know, as long as you can, you can do something to it. So dinner isn't ruined completely. Or, you know, I've gone as far to take meat and stuff out rinse it off hmm. and then make another sauce to put it in. You know, if it's that bad, you know, at home, not at work, at right. work it would just go in the trash. i start again. Sure. But at home, you know, I'm not going to throw food away at home, so, you know, I'll rinse it off sometimes and go, oh, that was a mistake. Let me see what I can fix it with so at least we can eat tonight, you know, uh, kind of a thing. Because everybody makes them, you know, you're going to burn stuff. That's right. You're going to – things happen. Uh, when I used to do live shows, I remember one time making a mistake, and somebody later I saw a meme that said, Chef Dennis did this. If he can make a mistake, it gives me hope, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, so, uh, you know, little things, you know, you're going to cut yourself, you know, don't let it, you know, don't be clumsy next time or not clumsy. Just be aware, you know, the worst accident happened when you're not in the moment when somebody distracts you, Uh, you know, just little tips, always clean up after you're safe, make sure you have a clean working area. So, So, you know, it's not just about, it's about science, but different kinds of science.
0: I worked in a in a kitchen for for a while when I was in college and the biggest thing I remember taking away from it and I know you're an advocate of this is clean as you go.
1: Yeah. Oh god, yeah. Definitely because it makes life easier. When yeah. I first started, I was not taught that concept. Okay. I was taught how to curse, I was taught how to throw things, <laughs> I was taught how to cook like nobody's business but I was not taught the clean as you go stuff. Mm. Okay. And later on, I remember coming back to work for this gentleman and I'm clean. He goes, Oh my God, where did you pick this up? I says, I worked in a kitchen that was even smaller than yours. I says, if I didn't do it, I got buried, you know, but he was amazed that I kept the station clean the whole night as I was going. I says, yeah, you didn't teach me that. Tell me how to cook. You didn't teach me that part. (laughs) Excuse me. What motivates you? (sighs) What motivates me? Well, I get up every morning. I'm happy to be alive. Uh, The older you get, you find more joy in just waking up. (laughs) Um, Hmm. I make my coffee. I come, read my email, and then I check to see how my traffic was last night on my blog. And I see how much I made. And not that that is a motivation to keep going, but at this point, it makes me very happy to know that people care enough about what I'm doing to support me. You know, and, and they're coming to my blog. They're looking at recipes. More New recipes are being found. Old recipes are being found and are now getting, gaining traction. Um, emails from people. Uh, I, I made your recipe last night. Uh, I, I got an email one time from a woman and I think she was in Norway or Iceland. Uh, I made your tiramisu for my Italian grandfather. He cried, hmm. you know. Things like that, you know, or you know, I made this for my family. They absolutely loved it. My my husband doesn't like fish. He said this was the best dish I've ever made. You know, we've been married twenty six years. You know, wow. some things like that, or you know, people just appreciating. Cause that is really the highest compliment I can get. And that is the greatest motivation, is is the fact that I am helping people create food for their families that they enjoy eating. You know, beyond the money. Even if I wasn't making money and I was still having a good time doing it, that is enough of a payoff. You know, between the two, I'm I'm living the life. I'm, mm. like, I feel like I'm a king some days. You know, because of, of all the good things that are happening.
0: Good for you. You've got such great content. I was watching recipes, like we said in the beginning. It makes me so hungry. Uh, it, you do such a great job. You make it seem so simple. You know, and uh, love it. It is,
1: you know, and that's how you have to look at it. When I was teaching my students, my, my high school girls, uh, I would tell them it's not rocket science. You know, these were all brilliant girls. They all of them went to college. And it says, it's not rocket science. This is food. You know, mm. it should be enjoyable. You know, it, food is something we bond over. Food is something we make friends over. Food is something that brings us back together. You know it's it's just magical and you know there was a song trisha yearwood did years ago called the song remembers when well that's the same thing with food you'll eat something i remember being in mexico and i went into this bakery and i saw pan dulce and it had been 30 years since i'd had pan dulce and my grandmother had gotten it for me i had a mexican Hmm. grandmother and i i think i started to cry you know it's just like oh my god You know, you, you think of things, food brings you back into places you've been, people you've been with, uh, you know, or, and then there's so many more possibilities ahead of you, you know, places you'll go. It should be, you know, all
0: those places you go, oh, the foods you'll eat. That's <laughs> right. It's certainly part of it. Yeah, food is such a big part of so many cultures, you know, and to experience the culture, you, you have to partake of the food. I feel certainly that way.
1: Yeah, you know, and again, go out of your comfort zone. Try Mm. something. You don't have to like it, but maybe you will. There's a good chance you might. And then if not, you can tell people, you know, guess what I had? You know, I had, (laughs) we were in Madrid and I had um, barnacles. And the guy Mm. was so excited that he got approved because they were expensive, that he got approved to, to buy some barnacles for me he was beside himself. He was so proud. And, you know, and there were like snails and snails are not real high on my list, but they right. weren't, they weren't terrible, but there was an experience. I wouldn't go into a restaurant and say, Hey, you have barnacles. <laughs> you know, but, I didn't you know, know but, they were edible. Yeah. And you know, they're, you know why they're expensive because they're on rocks. Right. The, the water goes out, they scrape, scrape, scrape. The water comes in, they're out of the water. Cause they're going to get thrashed against the rocks. Otherwise, so, you know, it's like one of those things that takes time and and,
0: and probably young boys to be out there doing it that don't right. know any better. Fascinating. Yeah. And how do you measure success?
1: I Shepherds. measure success on how happy people are with the food that I make. Mm. That is the true measure of success for me. Like when I would go out into the dining room and I'd see people like loosening their belts. They were just like, oh, they were they were dining room was quiet and everybody was eating. Or, you know, they'll they'll tell you, you know, that was like the best I've had. Oh, my God, that was so good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, That's the true measure of success. Uh, For me, that is what makes cooking all worthwhile. Like I said, if my wife's not home, I don't bother making too much stuff for myself. You know, I, I will. But, you know, it's only if I'm making it for the blog. But other than that, you know, a cheese sandwich, I've lived on cheese sandwiches for a good part of my life. Um, it's just crazy the things I will eat and not worry about if I'm not serving. But if you put me in in front of a stove and I'm serving people. It's my utmost goal mm. to make them moan. Hmm. Yeah, And I think I got that from watching <clears throat> The Galloping Gourmet. Do you remember Graham Kerr?
0: I, re- I, re- I heard you talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was your inspiration. And he
1: was My inspiration, and people would moan when they ate his food, and you know that just resonated. That was an early implant in my mind, and I think I always go back to that.
0: Chef Dennis Litley, absolute pleasure speaking with you today. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I hope one day we get to break bread together, It'd be oh. wonderful. And uh, please tell us how we can get in touch with you.
1: Well you can find me at askchefdennis.com and on social media I'm Ask Chef Dennis. so it's, it's pretty easy. If you just google Chef Dennis, I should fill the first couple pages. I think there's a couple other random chef Denniss out there, but you know for the most part it'll be me and all my stuff. Uh, but yeah, uh, make something, ask a question. I, I try to respond to all the comments you know, most of them don't get by every now and then one slips into spam, but, uh, I do try to respond and answer your questions. Uh, so yeah, drop me a line, make something, see what, see what we can do to bring some joy into your
0: kitchen exactly right your youtube channel is fantastic a lot of great recipes you walk through them i watched you make that rack of lamb where you, you made some great stuffing on it i've watched uh the salmon i mean it's just really you make it look so simple and uh really really enjoy you and your work thank you so much for your time today uh Chef Dennis. i really really appreciate it oh it's my pleasure joe thank you for having me on you be well take care Thank you for listening and/or viewing Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media: Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information video version of our podcast is on youtube please subscribe audio is on all major podcasting platforms please follow them and if you like it please consider giving five star rating would really appreciate that would you like to financially support the podcast you can go to our patreon site consider five ten or twenty dollars a month there's all kind of plans that we have there there's like a one-time payment what is this podcast episode worth to you $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000, $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000, you be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations.